Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It's I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel, I was uh, going to take a shower a second ago. And I saw um, that on the uh, the tea thing in the hotel here, it said caffeine-free chamomile. Okay. And I came up with the song. Oh, this, <laughs> this is not what I thought you were going to say, but go ahead. I know we don't have a choice. Give it to us. Caffeine-free chamomile. Chamomile is caffeine-free. Caffeine-free chamomile. Chamomile is caffeine-free. Caffeine-free chamomile. Chamomile is caffeine-free. You can drink your chamomile and you won't get jittery. Boom. <laughs> you like it. I, see, here's, see, see, here's the thing. So here's the thing. Let me give you so some props. This is the thing. You like it. You like that jingle. I know. Why do you I, and Kalika do this? You like no. it. No, no, no. I was going to give you your props. This is what I was going to say. You lost me in the beginning. I thought, gosh, is this going to go somewhere? Is he just going to keep repeating the same thing? And then when you said the jittery part, I thought there could be a future for you with jingles. I'm telling you. Wait, you know what this reminds me of? What? Do you remember that Jamie Foxx episode where they have the jingle off? It's one of the best ones. This is this is you. I'm telling you, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I, uh, it's it's like I literally walked past it and it said caffeine free chamomile, and I was like, caffeine free chamomile, chamomile is caffeine free, and then it just jumped in my head. And for the next hour, even as I was like in here, man, Outdoor. I was fucking using the Oculus to play boxing in this little tight space. I hit my. You fucking, brought it with you. Yeah, I brought it with me. I brought the Oculus with me. I brought it with me. Um, and I hit my, my fist so hard on the wall, punching. Oh, my God. I just sat down and I went, caffeine free, chamomile, chamomile. <laughs> and it soothed me. Um, I could... What's up? What's up? My Vision Pro is, is, is coming next week. My Apple Vision Pro, my headset. What is that? So it is uh, augmented reality, Apple VR rig. Now, when I purchased my Vision Pro, I thought that it was another type of VR, but it's really not. It's different. It's like the computer that you wear on your face and you can do all kinds of stuff with it. Like I'll, I'll bring it and so you can try it out and see if you like it. I don't think so. You don't so, like, try is, it. will you be walking in another? Like, can you create your own reality? I, you know, is that what that is? It like that kind of world, or is it just like, oh, I'm in France today? You know, I don't know honestly. Because like, I, I don't like that. I thought it was one thing, and I'm starting to think that maybe it's another thing. Like Marlo Stansfield said. Well, you spent a lot of money on it, so I hope it's what you want it to be. Why? Why? Why, why was that? Why'd you do that? 
Why'd you, you know? Because it's really expensive. That's the one thing I know. Yeah, so I hope I just business. I didn't you know say anything bad. I said I hope it's what you want it to be because it's very expensive. See what I'm saying? This is this is the this is the problem. Why do we gotta worry about how much money you can't why you gotta we, worry you about can't that? take I, that's don't project. Don't project. I'm not I'm not projecting. I'm just saying why we gotta worry about how much money it was. You know, I I I, I surrender my whole life to my career. I'm talking every single day, several things. People like giving me all kinds of problems. Fuck you, Van. We hate what you said. Can a nigga just walk through the VR world? Can a nigga just play the game? Can a nigga... <laughs> Projecting. Just, I'm, I am. Because I just wonder I why. Know. Why? Why does it have to be about how much money it costs? I just, can I just buy it? You yes, know? you can. And, and, and I hope it's what you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. Gotta do it. Gotta talk about it. She's on the Breakfast Club. Um, Rachel, what's going yeah. on? Before we get to it, what's going on with your life? What's this hoodie that you're wearing? How's that? How's that? What's what's up with it? What's wrong with my hoodie? I didn't say anything was wrong with it. Why the defensiveness? I'm saying, tell us about it. It's just a hoodie. Mm-hmm. It's great. Four screen. Yeah. What's going on in my life? I'm coming back. I just got back from um out of town, so I'm. You know, getting back in the groove of things. Came back with a little. I'm a little under the weather. Wow, you, 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 it's Viddy. You think it's Viddy? No, 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 no. I think it's allergies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm actually feeling pretty formidable because I had the Viddy not too long ago, and when I was on the plane, and also when I'm here, I'm thinking, is it going to be round two with the? Vid- 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 you wear a mask? On a plane? No. Yeah. I did not. I know. I stopped too. I need to get back on it. It's time it's time to wear we it's it's we're back on we should wear masks on the planes again. I'll do I it. Ju- I said I was never gonna not wear one. And then it's like once you take it off, I'm like, hmm. Now I remember why I never wore a mask in the first place. But I I'm telling you, people were coughing like crazy on my flight. So I think it's time to go back to the mask. No wear it. I, I have no problem. Look, you guys, it was a novel disease. Disease we were learning stuff as we learned it. Some things that we were told weren't exactly what we thought they were going to be. Let's just keep it all the way real. Some of the science was ever evolving, but most of the best practices that we got from that era, I still happen to believe in. Masking, distancing, other things, vaccination. So I have no problem wearing the mask. I just haven't. There's one, there's only one thing about wearing a mask on a plane that's tough for me. It's like when the plane lands for me, always, my nose starts running. Always. Always. But when it's hmm. inside of the mask, it's not a runny nose. It's a full on ejection of my sinuses. I'm okay. Ta- all right. All I, right. All right. <laughs> Can a nigga can a, can a nigga talk about his sinuses? Is there any is there any place that I can call home? That's that's the only question. Is there any place that's okay for me to be vulnerable? And so it's always a situation right here when I'm right here is home when I'm getting off of the plane. It's always a situation where I gotta run to the bathroom and then it's like and it happens with the mask because the mask even heats it up a little bit more and makes it you know what I mean. It's tough anyway. 
So here's the solution. You wear the mask, and as soon as you start your descent, you take it off. Or you go to the... No, look, I, I have no problem wearing the mask. I just didn't... Uh, which, you know, going to the doctor and stuff, when you go to the doctor, you see people with a mask back up. I guess I should have right. known, you know what I mean? But I didn't know. I, I didn't really I didn't really know that we were back in the mask situation. But look, we got a stacked, packed show. Stacked and packed. Like Pam Greer in 1973. And probably Pam Greer now. Um, I'm like, give it to her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... Shout out to her. One of the all-time beauties of mm-hmm. of of uh of movie screen stuff. Let's get into it. A uh, big deal of the day. Nikki Haley on the Breakfast Club. She bricked. You think so? This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with Shea Butter and Black Dermatologist Approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel. Okay. Deodorants came to the house. Yes, me too. You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up Mm -hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm -hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant on for the day. <laughs> Maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she, but but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smells good. The whole yeah. Thing. No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, and in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow. Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Look at you. You're smart. You're stylish. You've just got it going on. And your ride should be no different. The new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is the sedan that meets all your needs. With head-turning details like a sleek front end plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. All right. Uh, did you see Nikki Haley on The Breakfast Club? I did. I did. I watched it. Watch the whole thing. Um, okay. Before we begin to her performance on the Breakfast Club and specifically what was going on, let me ask you this. You hear Nikki Haley is on the Breakfast Club. You are Rachel Lindsay. You already know that there's probably not much policy-wise that you agree with Nikki Haley on. Sure. What would be the barometer for you for a successful trip to the Breakfast Club for Nikki Haley? Oh, for it to be successful on her end? For you, to to Rachel Lindsay. What could she do that would make for a successful trip? It would have been, I don't know if it would have been successful. It's hard for me to say. I don't know. I, I can't really think of a scenario of her going on and it being successful for her. She would have to not be herself. I mean, well, I take that back. This is why this is why it's hard for me to answer because I keep wanting to say what she could have done where I would have thought I would have liked it. So it's for her, for it to be a success for her. I don't think that that was really possible. Okay. Understand. Yeah. This is very important because what I'm essentially asking is 
you know that you're not going to agree with her policy wise. But for, right. for, for Nikki Haley to come off to where you're going, huh, that was a good appearance for Nikki Haley. Objectively, not based upon what you're going to hear from her in terms of whether or not you're going to vote for her, you're not going to vote for her. But for you to be objectively like she comported herself well, is there something she could have done or said that would have led you to think that thought? I mean, she was pleasant. You know, but she, but she was pleasant to watch. But no, because she, again, she would have to not be herself. Huh. She would have to go against what she believes. And I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm running through my mind, all the issues that she talked about. And for me, because she didn't speak to anything directly without telling a story behind it, I just couldn't. No. Okay. Let me tell you why I asked that question. I asked that question because one, because I ask it to myself, like when I'm thinking about being critical of someone or analyzing what it is they did, that's the first thing I asked. Okay. Well, what could they have done? Could they have done anything for you to be like, okay, well, that's somebody that did a good job. Um, and then number two, it's important to set boundary or set not boundaries to set benchmarks for how someone could speak that you disagree with on what they could do for you to be like, hey, that was a good uh, appearance for them. And I can think of, of, yeah. of people, uh, figures, political figures on the right in the past that I've been like, oh, I'm really impressed with that answer. Um, John McCain. Sure. Like John McCain sure. had a couple of times where John McCain said some things. I was like, ah, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that. Go, what are you going to say? I There was one thing that she kept saying that I do agree with. She kept talking about um, having 80-year-old presidents and she did talk about how we that generation needs to turn it over to another generation and they need to let it go. I agree with her on that. Mm. That was it. That I thought she answered well. Right. That part. That's um, it. And I think it's I asked this question in a broader sense because it's important for us to ask the question of like what would we want from from Nikki Haley, right? And mm-hmm. what specifically bothers with her about uh, uh, bothers us about her? And not necessarily her politically and all her. Po- we know that we're on the other side of her as far as w- when it comes to dealing with certain things, geopolitics, school choice, other things like that, uh, uh, abortion rights, all of those things. We're on the other side of her. But if we are talking about how well someone did on something, it's important to ask how well could they have done? OK, um, just just as a thought exercise to everyone, just ask yourself how well they could have done. Um, and but by any metric, it was terrible to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just being for real because what I would have wanted was to see that Nikki Haley had some sort of control and some sort of strength in her point of view. And to me, it just, it was, uh, milk toast bullshit. Um, now for me personally, Nikki Haley on the breakfast club, I only care about her positions on race. Because there's really no other reason for me to watch her on The Breakfast Club. I've heard as much Nikki Haley as I ever want to hear in my life. I've watched entire town halls with Nikki Haley. I've watched Nikki Haley Mm -hmm. be interviewed on Fox. I've watched Nikki Haley be interviewed on CNN. I've watched Nikki Haley on Meet the... I've watched Nikki Haley all over the place as I've watched all of these candidates. And so another Nikki Haley interview, unless there's something new and pressing she has to speak to, which I'm not sure that there is... The only thing that's interesting about this one or different about this one is what Nikki Haley is going to say to black people because she's on the breakfast club ostensibly to talk to black people. And I thought her message and her 
uh, her thought process, her the, synth- the synthesization. We're doing it again. Her her the synthesization. Synth is that even a word? Synthesization. Synthesization. You said it three different ways. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the her thought her, her thought synthesis. I can't even say synthesis. <laughs> Um, around race is so it happens. I told you, it is so like deeply flawed that it. I don't see why she even went on there in the first place. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. He asked her Charlamagne to say God, she did. To say she did. Yeah. Uh, Charlamagne the God asked her about structural racism in America and whether or not she felt like it was systemic. What she thinks about systemic racism, what she thinks about some of the, uh, the disparities that exist for black people and how Nikki Haley would deal with those. This is the question is the answer. A question. When you look at the inequalities in America, in education, you know, home ownership, employment and wealth, health care. Can you admit that there America is systemically and structurally a racist country? I think culture has a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. right? But it's more of if you look at that, how do you fix it? Because right? when you say all men are created equal, no, they weren't because we were labeled three-fifths of a human. <laughs> Black so, people were. Right. And we made that wrong right. Mm-hmm. And we've got some more rights we have to do. But this so, is... So systemically and structurally, do you think America has is racist? Not not the people, not not everybody in America. I don't think America's racist. I think we have racism in America. And, and I think And I think we have cultural issues. But let me explain where okay. I am. So first of all... I grew up in a town of 2,502 stoplights. We were the only Indian family in that small southern town. We weren't white enough to be white. We weren't black enough to be black. Mm-hmm. They didn't know who we were, what we were, or why we were there. In that rural town, we didn't know what we didn't have. And so people just survived. I now have a education foundation in South Carolina where we do after-school programs in all rural challenged areas. Because you've got to give extra support to those areas that don't have. The goal is not what the circumstances are. How do you pull people out of those circumstances and lift them up? Well, you can't hear what you don't reveal. Rachel. Yeah. um, Charlemagne goes on to say, I don't know if he says it after this part, but he goes on to talk about how you have to recognize racism. And throughout this interview, Nikki Haley keeps saying she doesn't want to go out and tell her, like, tell her kids or the next generation that racism is a thing or America is a racist country because she thinks then that's the thinking that they go into it with. It was, it was very odd. And Charlamagne does something where he's like, but if you tell somebody it's cold outside, they're going to go put on a coat. And I thought that was a really good point to make. You need to understand the type of world that you're walking into. And I just don't understand how Nikki Haley throughout this interview continues to tell stories of racism, but can't recognize that this is a racist country. I don't understand how you can then go on after she gives this answer to talk about what she did in South Carolina with the Confederate flag, but then can't say that the Confederate flag is a symbol of racism or even recognize that the fight that she had to have within her state legislature to bring down the flag and the poll because she knew she knew that if she didn't bring down the poll they were gonna put the flag back up you were literally fighting an institution that is racist but you can't recognize that america has 
systemic racism. Yeah. I just don't understand how she can't receive that. She's continuing to point out racism, but can't call it what it is. This is why her, I thought her interview was very frustrating. And I did not like how within, when she was talking about racism, she basically applauded herself for bringing down the Confederate flag, but can't talk about its meaning. And then started talking about the victims from that church shooting. I, it, yeah, mm. that's, that's where I stand. It's, I thought, I thought it was fascinating. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating. It, it's always fascinating to me that someone can get to the, uh, the, the perch that Nikki Haley is on and have such a fundamental misunderstanding of race and culture in America. Now, she gave a very direct answer right there, and I hope that everybody caught it. Because I want Cultural? people to, I want people to understand something here. And, and this is why, oh, look, the balloons again. I want people to understand something here. And it, and, and this is, um, this is why this is such a good question. All right. It's, there's a very binary question that Charlemagne asked it, right? So if there is not structural and institutional racism in America, if it doesn't exist, then how do you explain the disparities that black Americans face? Right. Well, what's the explanation? Because if there's, if, if we're not, purposefully being held back or if there's not things that are deeply entrenched in different systems and institutions around America, then how do you explain all of that stuff? And she answered that question. She answered it directly. And I even talked to him about this. She answered the question and I heard it right away when she said it. She said, culture has a lot to do with, to do with it. Right? That's saying you niggas don't have a good culture. <laughs> it's your fault. It's no, no, I, I mean, she answered it very... I, there's no ambiguity there. Like she said, culture has a lot to do with it. Now, the reason why that's interesting is because that's a more robust conversation. I actually like that. I like that answer. I like that answer because that then gives you the opportunity to challenge that answer. Like when you say culture doesn't have a lot to do with it, well, what do you mean? What do you mean culture? Culture is a, is a set of shared values uh, and understandings um, and traditions. Like, so what about black American culture uh, lends itself to not being successful in America? Mm -hmm. Then that opens up the opportunity to have a historical and um, contemporary discussion about the lives of black people, which is what we're trying to get to. What we're trying to get to is to have politicians and people that are running for higher office to have a historical and contemporary discussion about the lives of black people and what they're trying to not do by saying America isn't a racist country, has never been a racist country. The guy who wrote All Men Are Created Equal, Thomas Jefferson, his children were slaves. So we know that that's not true. Like the three minutes right. compromise doesn't even matter. Like his kids were slaves, right? So like right. We, he knows that not all men are created equal and we know and everybody knows, right? So then the... I, I guess the question is like, how do you get her to have that conversation? And the way you get her to have that conversation to me is what have black Americans not done culturally that Americans told black people or any American citizen to do that lends uh, itself to the idea that we will be falling, falling behind. The question is zero, nothing. Everything that America has said to do, black people have done it. land ownership. We did that trying to get together and, and, and pool resources and build our own stuff. We did that. Like coming together, 
get to get legislation passed and being politically active, we did it. Home ownership, buying that stuff, all of that stuff, we did it. Every single thing that America asked from black people, hey, do this and you'll be successful. We did it. And every time we did it, I say this all the time, white people said no. They said none for y'all. You build a town, we burn it down. You get the land, we take it. Like every single time there was a direct, a direct effort by white power and white supremacy to either rob black people of what they had already built for themselves or to make sure that they couldn't do it. And so that's a question for Nikki Haley or anybody else when they want to talk about culture. I mean, sure, now there are some things that are ingrained into different parts of, of the black American experience that are based upon living in a survival matrix. I, I, I mean, rusted out and bombed out ghettos and things like that. I mean, yeah, there, there are certain things now that intercommunally, communal, intercommunally, we need to have a conversation about, right? Of course. Sure. But like, when she says culture, there is like some of that is culture. And she goes on to talk about things that she did to try to lift niggas up or whatever. When you say that some of those things have to do with culture, I want to know how much you know about black American culture. How, you know what I mean? Like how much you know about our history and like where we are right now. It's interesting because when she said it's uh, it's cultural, I looked at it as she was talking about white people and she was indirectly saying ra- that their people are racist instead of once again answering him his question about Yeah, but that wouldn't make any uh, sense. The That's system. the same thing as Charlamagne said. I know. But that that, that Oh would, wait, go ahead. That wouldn't make any sense though. It wouldn't make any sense to say that there's no widespread racism in America and then to come back and say that the disparities are based upon cultural racism for white people. Well, she says that people are racist. She keeps saying that in it. So when I heard her say, and I I agree with you, I'm just saying it's interesting because I took that as when she said cultural, I tied it in with everything else that she was saying of there are people that are keeping a certain culture down as opposed to, and it's like within their culture, like white supremacist or, you know, other racist. That's how I took it. I'm not defending her. It's just that that's what I thought she was saying. I took it as an example of once again, she won't say that this is racist. She's saying it in an indirect way. Well, she said what, 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 what she talked about. She's like, you don't know what you don't know. So I come from a place where one stoplight and the people are there. You don't know what you don't know. She's saying that there are cultural things uh, about the way those people share their community that need to be changed in order for them to understand what it means to ascend in America. I tell you guys, that's just not true about black people. It's not true. It might be true now that black Americans need to understand maybe a different way to go about accessing American power. But the fact that black people don't, didn't and have never known how to get in the, get in the head, get ahead in America is, it's not true. It's a fallacy. It's actually part of the reason why the country is so deeply racist. It's because they've been able to convince people writ large that niggas can't get right. That's just not true. And I, I, I hope that if there's nothing else that I ever say in the past, present, or history of this podcast, it's that. You guys, that's just false. It's just false. It, whenever black people have been put in peril in this country, they've endeavored to save themselves, and they always have. The question is, how do you go from saving yourself to actually being an entity in America that people have to like pay attention to? Um, there's more stuff. Um more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. Oh, but before we get to the more stuff, I want to say something specifically about something that you that you brought up about the flag. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So Nikki Haley becomes governor in like what, 2010 or something like that? Or around that time where they're asking her? Sorry, distracted by your the thumbs down. Yeah. I don't know what's happening with your thing. Um, I don't know when she was, I don't know. She's I, around that before, time. It was she around that time. They're asking her about the, the flag and stuff. I want to, a little latitude here. I'm not going to be hyper verbose. Um, I'm going to try not to be, but let's think about Dylan Roof for a second. So, uh, Dylan Roof, uh, kills nine people at Mother Emanuel Church. Right? He kills them. And after he kills the nine people at Mother Emanuel Church, Nikki Haley sees Dylan Roof, uh, with a Confederate flag wrapped around him. And she says, hey, we got to do something about the Confederate flag. All right. Dylan Roof has a Confederate flag wrapped around him. There's a kinship that he feels with the Confederate flag. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Confederate flag as a symbol of heritage and a symbol of history is another lie. Like the Confederate flag and all the Confederate monuments and all of the things that have been erected were erected during a period where white people, Southern whites, were rebelling against the seven mystic years, against the agenda of the radical Republicans. They were taking back the South. They were re-accessing the pride that they felt in the Confederacy that did not come right after, oh, we're going to build a bunch of monuments. That was a very, very direct and intentional thing to spark terror and claim ownership of the South. We don't want to share it with no niggas. All of that stuff happens during the Jim Crow era, early 1900s, late 1800s, into the teens and stories. Like that's when those monuments and stuff like that start, start to come up. That's when the Ku Klux Klan starts to be formed. All of that stuff has nothing to do with heritage or anything like that. It has to do with racism and mental oppression and terror. Okay. That's Dylan Roof is connected to that. He's connected to that. He's wrapped himself in that. Part of the reason why he's wrapped himself in that is because he sees it legitimized and intellectually codified by, by it flying on the top of the state house. It's not a fringe mm-hmm. belief somewhere that the South and the Confederacy had a point. It's something that's legitimized by the state of South Carolina having it flying up there, by these different states having Confederate Remembrance Day. Driving down places, they've seen statues of Nathan Bedford Forrest and Jefferson Davis, all of that stuff. People are telling you that that's right. When the Nazis were excised from Germany, the world made Germany sit down and reckon with itself and denazify and say, hey, the movement that happened here, it'll never happen again. So your people will learn how bad it was. They'll learn never to do this again. And if there's any type of thought or action that aligns itself with that ideology, there'll be a punishment for it. And guess what? For the most part, it's gone, right? We didn't do that here. We couldn't do it for a lot of different reasons. We refused to do it. So I'm telling Nikki Haley and everybody else, everybody else this, there's a chance because he ends up doing that when he's like in his early 20s, right? She comes in when he's probably still an adolescent. There's a chance that if Nikki Haley has the courage to take the flag down when she first gets in office. If she has the courage to have the conversation about taking the flag down when she first gets in office, 
And she has the courage to bring the issue up and talk about why it's so problematic. If everyone had that courage, that he never even kills those people. And that's the problem that I have. The problem that I have with all of these people is the reactionary justice, the reactionary mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, dignity, the reactionary. So we have to surrender nine black bodies to you for you to say that the Confederate flag, a flag of insurrectionists and slavers is wrong. We have to nine people have to die for you to do that. Like as long as we've been these sacrificial calves and hogs and oxen of this country, it's like nobody pays attention to enough blood is spilled to there are enough of us slaughtered. And that cowardice, that intellectual and political cowardice that she continues to show even right now after those people have been buried, after the flag has been taken down, that same cowardice she can't see is enabling the next crazy person, the next uh, legislator who's going to legislate against a black advancement, the next group of racists who don't want to come to terms with the fact that America has a deep, deep problem with the way that it treats its black American brothers and sisters. She hasn't learned anything and she buried nine people. So, so my whole thing about that is for her to be having this conversation after that, after this and still be teetering, it just is a, it's a, it's a large, it's a larger uh, indictment on where we are, where we are and how we talk about race in this country. Not that this means anything, but I, something you said, I don't believe she doesn't know. Do you know, I, I believe that she does think that there are institutions within this country that are racist. She's had to fight, as I said earlier, her own state legislature and tell her own personal story of racism before she got their attention to take the Confederate flag down. So I don't agree that she's just completely oblivious to it because I don't think because she's obviously a smart woman. I just don't think that people like Nikki Haley, people who vote for her, people who follow her will ever be honest publicly and admit that what we're saying is true. Instead, they try to fight it with removing books, with rewriting history. Do you know what I mean? Well, none like of them you will. really believe. None of them will. Not just Nikki Haley. Yeah, I, uh, like I, I it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Kamala Harris won't. Jim Clyburn uh, won't. Kamala Harris said this is not a racist country. Jim Clyburn said this is not a racist. Country. None of them will. So there is th- this cowardice to me is not. It's it's not a Nikki Haley disease. This cowardice exists, and I use cowardice very directly. This cowardice is costing people their lives and the experience of their lives. This cowardice has a cost. Now, once again, you're, you're right. Uh, you can look at the country. And you're, you're right. But like this cowardice, there is a cost to it. My thing with her is she was right there. She smelled the blood. She paid the cost. So, you know. But she thinks she did enough. And that's the problem. When you talk about the them being uh, reactionary reactionary justice is what you said. That's the thing. She thinks what she did solved it. She thinks that type of action solved racism to where we there'll never be another Dylan Roof. And until you can point out and speak to saying exactly what the Confederate flag represents, which when directly asked on this podcast, I mean, on uh, The Breakfast Club, she couldn't do that. Then you really, I, I can't say she doesn't get it, but you're not doing anything. It's not enough. And you think yeah. that was. That's the problem. Um, 
should we go on? Is that enough, Nikki Haley? That's like enough. That's enough. I Nikki mean, Haley. what was the, what were, you know what? I didn't like, I was watching Morning Joe and they started out this morning with the Breakfast Club and the, they clipped her opinion on Donald Trump when it was towards the end of the, the interview where they asked her about, I think he said, I don't remember what he said, but anyways, they clipped her talking about Trump and criticizing him. And then they complimented her for what she did. Huge problem with that. Because anybody, if you don't watch the whole interview, you see that, and I thought Charlemagne did a good job of asking this, you see him say, but you voted for him twice. And then you see her tiptoe and dance around. Well, I was in New York. I wasn't in Washington. I had no idea what they were. I just put my head down and did my job. You are affiliate. You voted for him twice. I mean, you've supported his policies. You supported the person that he is and for him to lead our country. Then you go, then you're representing him as an ambassador. I just don't understand why. I just don't want people like that. I, I guess I'm just saying, I don't even know what my point is. It upset me because I was just watching it. And it upset me that we're going to pr- praise her for now being critical about Donald, Tr- Donald Trump when you supported him twice and were a part of his administration. Yeah, she likes it. I mean, and uh, after she gets washed out, she'll go back and, and if he'll have her, she'll be a part of this. I mean, none of her criticisms, it- none of her criticisms of Trump are holding water anyway. Like everyone is going to be on the teat of Donald Trump, the cock wagon of Donald Trump. As long as they have to, they're going to do whatever they have to to be down with Donald Trump. It is what it is. She talked. Uh, up, she talked about the deficit when she talked about Obama. Trump ran the deficit up. Like it. It. it all, none of that stuff that she would talk about as it relates to Donald Trump. The only thing she's going to be able to hit him on is the fact that he's old. And by the way, I do agree with her. Like what you said in terms of the the old people stepping on the younger people. It's time for the older generation in politics to move out of the way and let the younger group of fired up politicians take over. Yeah, I wish that I wish they would have pressed her on Dobbs because she did not answer that question. And I wish they would have pressed her more on that. And I wish that they would have pressed her on education and book bans and um, rewriting history books. I really wish they would have pressed her on that. Yeah. I mean, but, I think there, are, no. there are a lot of uh, political issues out there that, um, that she was there to talk about. And uh, in my opinion, you know, some of them were handled better than others. Um, I wanted to hear her talk about black people. And I, I think in her answers, a lot of my frustrations about, the political machine were right there. And by the way, I, I have to be fair about this. The same reason why I thought that Kamala Harris and Jim Clyburn owed us more when answering this question is the same reason why I feel like Nikki Haley owed us more. Because there's a cost for ignoring the cancer of racism. I will move on. Snoop. Mm-hmm. Snoop has changed his tune. Uh, Snoop's got a new movie coming out. And it, he's been doing press for his new movie. And um, he, in the past, had been very critical about uh, about Donald Trump, uh, to Donald Trump. He's like, the 2016 interview with Rolling Stone, uh, Trump, Snoop said, I've never seen a motherfucker like Trump. How can we have someone as reckless as him running our country? In 2018, he also heavily criticized Trump 
and uh, Kanye West. Um, he was always the one of the fuck Trump guys that you would see on the internet. Now, this has changed. The Sunday Times, London's the Sunday Times, asked Snoop about Donald Trump and Snoop said about Trump, Donald Trump, he ain't done nothing wrong to me. He has done only great things for me. He pardoned Michael Harris. He says he has nothing but love and respect for Trump. If you do not know who Michael Harris is, there's a gentleman by the name of Harry O. And Harry O was uh, a very instrumental man in the founding and the beginnings of Death Row Records, along with Suge Knight, David Kenner, Dr. Dre. And he was doing some time for some stuff. And he was pardoned by Trump on Trump's way out of the door at the behest of Snoop Dogg and other people who worked for Michael Harris to get his pardon, for Harry O to get his pardon. And I guess since then, Snoop has had a change of heart on Donald Trump. And this kind of makes me wonder if a Snoop Dogg endorsement on behalf of Donald Trump is coming. Well, I think later in that interview, he's asked about that and he won't answer. Mm. He said he won't say which way he's going, which we've seen him emphatically, as you just spelled out, go against Trump. And now, which is just as dangerous, right? I said this before about what when when Charlemagne was on and and didn't wouldn't specifically answer. It's dangerous to tell an audience, well, I'm curious, or maybe the other side is saying some something that I like or that's beneficial to me. To hear Snoop say that Trump hasn't done anything to me is particularly where I'm like, that is the most self-serving comment. And if that's the way that we vote, then we're never going to be able to help our community. Okay, you might be okay. You might be benefiting. But how are Trump's policies or Trump just as a leader helping the Black community? The fact that you separated yourself with that comment from the Black community because Trump has done a lot that is against the black community is extremely troubling to me. And your only response that he's done something for you is that he let your friend go. So this is uh, is the way I see this. A couple of things. Um, I guess my first question for Snoop would be, what was Trump doing before that made you hate him so bad? And what has he done differently now? If the answer is that he let, uh, that he pardoned Harry O, he pardoned Michael Harris, then obviously I don't think that that's very stand up on Snoop's part. I just don't. Okay. I think that, I, I yeah. think that's weak on Snoop's part. Um, Snoop could be a Republican. Snoop could be someone who has found himself on the right of things in the last four or five years. I don't know. If Snoop was a Republican or if Snoop was a, a Trump supporter or whatever, that would be Snoop's business. If you are that, if you are that, if that's how you look at the world, if you are a conservative, that is your business. I will say this though. This is broader for me. This is my problem with rappers as a whole. Be honest with you. Okay. Hip hop is an amazing thing. It's a great vehicle. But it essentially makes kings Queens is what it makes. Hip hop takes somebody and it, because of their talent and who they are, it makes them into a little economy. So the one person becomes a little economy, right? 
And so everybody that comes behind the one person, everybody that's around the one person is essentially in fiefdom to that one person, the rapper, right? That makes a star out of you. And not just, I mean, I'm talking about hip hop, but I'm talking about, I mean, other things are like this too, but specifically rappers, right? Rappers have whole uh, record labels, whole crews, whole movements that are really based around them. It's a very individual singular thing when you're looking at the career of one person. You have to worry about how you're seen in the press. It's this celebrity period, but specifically they move in almost tribes, right? They move in collectives and there's always somebody at the head of it. A lot of times looking at something that way for like a long time, you have to have this very specific arrogance and self-centeredness that detaches you away a lot of times from the needs, feelings, and worries of other people in your community. This is not the first time we've heard this. We hear, hey, he let Kodak out. He's all right with me. We hear, hey, uh, like Trump is good with me. He went and got um, uh, uh, ASAP Rocky out 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 of jail in Sweden, right? He's good with me. He's good with me. He's good with me. And remember, I'm whoever I am. I'm MC, whatever. I'm Snoop being good with me. And Snoop is incredibly generous. He's incredibly about the community. He is somebody that has put on for kids. He is somebody that has that has uh, looked out for people all over the place. Snoop has four or five different generations of people who um, he's literally put in the NFL. He is a community guy for sure. That's why it's surprising hearing this coming from him. But it also exactly. it also doubles down to me why I don't want to have any more conversations about what rappers think about politics. I don't want to have any more conversations about what podcasters think about politics. Like I, the conversations I want to have with are with everyday working people and what it is that they think about politics and how their lives look and how they feel about it. Because those are the people that we have to empower and care about what they think. Because if your vote or if your allegiance can be based upon who got who out of jail, if it's that transactional, then you only care about yourself and you only care about the way these things affect your family. And if that's the case, then why would we ask someone who is voluntarily, intellectually subtracting themselves from the conversation? Why would we ask them about who we think should be running the whole country? Like ask people who have skin in the game, ask people who the policies and the rhetoric are going to affect them. Ask those people, talk to those people. Let's have more conversations about them. Like, Cube, what Cube thinks about whatever, I fucking don't care. What Snoop thinks about whatever, I fucking don't care. What Van thinks about whatever, I fucking don't care. Like, like, like have conversations with people that, that are really being affected by this. And we have to create platforms and elevate those people and talk to them because we can't rely on these motherfuckers to be anything other than people who serve their own interests. I think that. In this case, I understand exactly what you're saying and agree with it. I think in this case, because of the things that you said that Snoop has represented to so many people in our community, because he has been so vocal about Trump and anti-Trump and how Trump has negatively impacted us, 
it seemed fitting to ask the question because it could have been another platform as he's shown over the years to once again call out Trump for how problematic he's been. Who could have guessed that this is what he would say? Well, look, here's the deal. Once again, if Snoop has had a change of heart about the way he feels about Donald Trump, that's Snoop's business. If Snoop at one point felt a way about Donald Trump and then Snoop went, oh, I'm paying too much in taxes or I like the way he, that's Snoop's business. But if it's strictly based upon something that Trump did for Snoop, if you hated the way he was being reckless and being this and being that, maybe there's something that happened within the negotiation to get to get Michael Harris out. Maybe Snoop learned more about Trump. I'm not saying people can't change or whatever you can change for the worse. Whatever, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is a lot of times when we're looking at people that are that their success is based on celebrity and cult of personality, this this has to do with the politicians as well. These are the wrong people to put stock in in terms of what it is that they think. They're just the wrong people. They're the wrong people. It's too much about them. So to me, the people that are out there that are actually putting on that see that actually see the damage and the carnage that's caused by bad policy, bad politics, and structural and systemic racism, those are the people that we need to talk to about this stuff. And we need I to talk know, about why. It's just, a, it's just a shame because they could be using their platform for so much. Like, I mean, Snoop voted for the first time in the last election. That's how, that's how much he wanted to be against Trump. He voted because of everything that was happening. It's, it's it's disappointing. This episode is brought to you by Shea Moisture. We finally got some deodorants designed specifically for people with rich melanin skin from Shea Moisture. And they're amazing. Made with Shea butter and black dermatologists approved. These deodorants give you and your skin the care that it needs. Now, here's the thing, Rachel. Okay. The deodorants came to the house. Yes, me too. You got yours. I got them. Kalika picked one up mm-hmm. specifically. And I was like, oh, why are you picking that one up? And she said, because it says it's even underarm tone. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, sometimes when you use the other deodorants, they leave like your underarms untoned or something like that. And she was so excited to have it. She went back and she started using it right there, which made me wonder if she had put deodorant on for the day. <laughs> maybe she just reapplied. Maybe she, but, but like, so that's a, it's a huge deal. And I've been using it too. It's very great. It's good. It smells good. Oh, yeah. Thing. No, no, no. It is good. And it's last long. Like mm-hmm. I'm a sweater. Mm-hmm. So I need something strong. Mm. And I need, in addition to, I like that it evens out the underarm. I like the moisture and all of that, but it's the, I need it to last long. And this lasts for, it's a 48 hour sweat and odor protection, which is key. Wow. Uh, get the protection your skin deserves. Tap the banner to learn more or visit SheaMoisture.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Look at you. You're smart. You're stylish. You've just got it going on. And your ride should be no different. The new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is the sedan that meets all your needs. With head-turning details like a sleek front-end plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. Biracial agenda. It's like, it's not just biracials. It's like skin. Nah. Nah, I'm going to tell you why this, I'm going to tell you why this is biracial. Ryan Clark, shout out Ryan Clark. 
Shout out Channing Crowder. Shout out Fred Taylor. The Pivot is one of my favorite podcasts. They're killing over there at The Pivot. The Pivot, they had Denver Nuggets forward Michael Porter Jr., one of the most talented players in the NBA. He was on The Pivot. And he was talking about light-skinnedness. Who's carrying the banner for light-skinnedness and light-skinned guys being soft? It was a very interesting conversation. Donnie, give me some audio. You mentioned about being light-skinned and having to fight the soft label because yeah. of that. Yeah. You know, how real of a thing this, was this that? Y'all, y'all, y'all being jealous of us. They be jealous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come here, brother. Hey, you know you got in you trouble. Back. You know you got your ass in trouble. <laughs> What's that? Mike, Mike I'll be, hey, listen. No, this, let me slide say, back because y'all jealous. I'm going to say this. Y'all jealous. Wesley Snipes <laughs> is not here anymore. <laughs> they was riding on Wesley Snipes for years, wasn't they? they jealous, man. They Bro, love Wesley you Snipes. You had to run through... You had to run through eight light-skinned people to try to find one that actually had attractive physical traits today when Ooh. you were talking about light-skinned people in the car. Ooh. I was talking about like, light-skinned dudes or light-skinned people. He was talking about light-skinned dudes because he was trying to hey, say that you hey. and him are some good-looking light-skinned dudes. You're a very good light-skinned dude. Who Appreciate represents you, us? Boy. Is it Drake? <laughs> Who represents us? Is it Obama? <laughs> It can't be Drake no more. He, he got the like the little clips in his hair, paint his. I don't he like. Done, he business. done got. He done got a little weird with the money. Is it Obama? Obama can still represent us, bro. I don't think he represents us either. Okay, so are we stopping there? He goes on to say Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Not Shout out biracial. To Steph. The whole family love the Currys. Love what y'all got going on. Boom. Drake, Obama, and Michael Porter Jr. Three biracials. Let me tell you something right now, man. This, this, the agenda is going crazy. And I want, I want to <laughs> let all of my biracial people out there know that even though I'm calling out the biracial agenda every single time, I want to let you know we fucking with y'all here at Higher Learning. Y'all got a fucking place here at Higher Learning. We support y'all. <laughs> but I know something. What's the agenda? I, I know something else about some of these biracial people. Okay. Some of y'all are light skinned and some of y'all are dark white. <laughs> I notice some of y'all are light skinned and some of y'all are dark white. Who? Michael Porter Jr. and the way he was talking, that's a dark white motherfucker. Who's jealous of who and jealousy and all of this stuff and all of this? This biracial supremacy that I see going on, this this agenda, this thing. Once again, the Target commercials, all of this stuff. Who's behind this? Who's behind this biracial takeover that we're seeing? Think about what's happening. Y'all don't see it. Y'all don't see the prominence recently of the biracial in culture. Y'all y'all not seeing what's happening. I'm. The only one standing on the top of the hill saying, niggas, I'm the only one standing on top of the hill that can see the coming invasion of biracials. I see it. And they, and you know what? Here's the thing. Once again, I got to be honest. Y'all just black to me. I just be real. I don't look <laughs> at it as a special. Hey, y'all just black. Y'all just black to me. All right. I've been rocking with y'all for a long... I'm from Louisiana. It's a whole part of the state. All biracials. I'm fucking with y'all. Y'all just black to me. But they're starting to say that they're not. 
They're starting to say that they're not and they're accessing their power. Oh, we got Obama. Oh, we got Drake. Oh, we got J. Cole. We got Lato. We got Zendaya. We got Zoe Kravitz. We got all the, it's, it's, it's a, I'm telling you guys, it's a, it's a thing. Did they call themselves biracial in this clip? They didn't, but then they named biracials. Hold on, wait a second. But they named oh, Steph Curry. I named, told you they said Steph. He's not biracial. That, that's the one. Shout out to Steph and them. Separate thing, man. Shoot that rock. 37 the other night. Shout out to Steph and them. I'm not talking about them. That's a whole family of good old... <laughs> it takes away from your argument is my point. It's, that's a whole family of good old traditional light skins. They know they black. They, that's a whole thing. What I'm saying is the top of mind people, they threw Steph Curry in later. The top of mind people that they went to was biracials. They weren't talking about light skin. Michael Porter is fucking biracial. Obama biracial. Is, Drake biracial. Is Crowder? I don't know. I'm not sure. It again takes, if he's not, that takes away from your argument as well. I'm telling you right now that they asked Michael Porter and Michael Porter started coming through with the straight up biracial agenda. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, this is like 1997 bash at the beach. Who is the third outsider? Hulk Hogan coming out with the NWO. We don't know. They are amongst us. We don't know. <laughs> Shut up, man. We don't like, we, like they are amongst us. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know where the next biracial interloper is <laughs> to pop up like they one of us and then all of a sudden just turn around and shit on us. We don't know where they at, Rachel. We can't tell. No, no. This is a conversation you need to have with Mark Lamont Hill. He's standing up on that hill with you. Oh my it's God. two of y'all. I'm in Philly. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. I'm is that in where he is? Philly. I, like, I, yeah, I, actually, I, I, I talked to him last night. I'm, I'm in Philly. So, so Rachel is not a part of us. I, I I'm just, I no, I'm not a part of this. Here on Higher Learning, at That's least for you. me, I'm on biracial watch. <laughs> Shut up. I'm on B Dub, Donnie. I need you to make me. <laughs> I need you to make me a drop. <laughs> I'm on biracial watch. I am. Because I see what's coming. I what's the it. agenda? What's the agenda? A takeover? It's a takeover, man. Is that what you're saying? The agenda is a takeover. The agenda is a takeover. They're trying to... They're trying to... They're trying to... Donnie, trying Ashley, to can y'all name us. other oh. light-skinned people that are not biracial? Just in general? Like, uh, common. Common is light-skinned. Um, not that light-skinned. But see, here's the... Oh, oh, but, but here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm glad you bring up Common. Common would never carry on like this. Never. <laughs> Come, well, I, I'm glad you bring up Common. Common would never. See, this is, this is, see, you're making my point. Common exists from a time before the agenda. I'll give you an example. Shamar Moore, biracial, a pre-agenda biracial. He was just, <laughs> the nigga was on Soul What's Train. What's the cutoff? He was on what? Soul Train. He wasn't even trying to. And, but now they, they started I'm telling you about around Obama. They started kicking the door down. And now they want is they don't want to be a part of us anymore. They want to be us. They don't want to be us. It's biracial. It's not black. There's an agenda. And now this was a conversation about biracial supremacy. Got to move on. If Crowder's not biracial, it really takes away. It doesn't because he's 
You know what? Because he's caught it a scene really with him. Does. Okay, let's look it up. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, looked it up. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see. Channing Crowder. His dad is. Why don't you just text one of them? Ask Ryan. His dad is Randy Crowder. Shout out to Channing. I fuck with Channing. <laughs> I fuck with Channing. I, I really do fuck with Channing. But I'm just being honest, man. The agenda, man. The agenda is up. All right, let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, uh, Rach, what do you want to do? We could do Gail King and the $4,000. <laughs> Let's do that. You're already laughing. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's all right, do so- that. Full disclosure, I love Gail. Love her. I do too. That's the homie. Okay. Me and Gail, we're at Tracy's thing together. Saw each other. It was cool. Love Gail. I was, I did King Charles with Gail twice. Gail is great. But I think this is more about the concept of this and not necessarily about Gail. So, uh, uh, Gail was, talking. Where was she talking at? She was on the pivot. Another side. So let's put the pivot. The pivot killing. So it's a pivot yeah. podcast. She was talking about her dating life with Ryan Clark, Channing Crowder and Fred Taylor. And she talked a little bit about a situation she had with a guy. This is the audio. You know, I went on a date and I was really excited, very uh, excited about it. We had gone out maybe two months and then he said he really needed to talk to me. Uh, he wanted to have a private conversation. Okay, sure. What is it? Do you think you could lend me $4,000? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> he jumped out with 4000 out the gate? Though? I know. It's so he funny. didn't test oh, the water? You, you know what Oprah said? Oprah said, God, I would have felt better if he had said $40,000. <laughs> <laughs> you just went in your purse. Here you go. Here you go. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't carry cash. They just asked you to cash app him now. Huh? You just could have cash tapped him now. I know, guys, but I was so crushed because he, here's somebody who was making, you know, six figures, successful. And when I said, you know, could I ask what it's for? He said, yeah, it was for uh, a, a child support issue and to pay uh, a payment on some furniture. And Oprah goes, oh, God, this is just getting worse. <laughs> and I said, okay. And he said, you know, this was Sunday, and he said, I promise I'll pay you back by Thursday. I promise I'll pay you Thursday, okay. But I wrote it, I wrote it, because I thought it had, it had to be very difficult for him to ask me. And so I wrote it, and I just figured that would be that, that would be that. And he did pay me back on Thursday, but I didn't feel the same. Rachel? At least he paid her back. He paid her back the money. And I think a lot of brothers on the internet are like, why would she not feel the same when he paid her back? The oh, my God. Because he had the audacity to ask her that. Mm-hmm. It's not that he it's not even that he didn't have the money. It's that he felt he needed to ask her from it. 
I would, I'm like, Gail, I would have felt, well, first off, I wouldn't have given him the money. I'm just going to be very honest. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it was for. I, somebody I'm dating for a couple of months, I'm not giving money like that to. You got to be my fiance or husband. Not going to do it. But it, it, it almost feels a little like, I don't know if this is emasculating a little bit. See? That he, see what I'm saying? (laughs) See? That he felt the need to ask her. It's again, it's not that he didn't have the money. It's that you didn't have anybody else to ask. You're going to ask me, this woman who's dating, it takes away. There's things that a woman needs, right? She needs to feel safe in a relationship. And that's emotional security. That's physical security. That's financial security. And when you come to me after a couple of months of dating and you ask me that, I no longer feel safe in a certain area with you. It's great that you paid me back. Fine. But I just don't, I can't look at you the same way. I I feel her. Okay. Look, bad idea. Bad idea to go and ask somebody that you've been dating for a couple of months for $4,000. It's a bad idea. Says a lot about him. It's a bad idea. Because he would have asked again. Um, Next time it would have been 10. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea uh, because it just signals so much dysfunction in your life. People are going to wonder if they can if they can be at peace with you. Okay, what kind of issues are you having to where now you got to come ask me for $4,000? And I think it would be the same way if, in fact, the 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 genders were swapped here. Like, after you're dating a girl for a couple of months, you're dating somebody, and she comes and she asks you for X amount of money. I know guys out there are listening to me and going, women do that all the time. They, they, but I don't, I don't know. I've never been in a situation like that. So it's like, you're asking somebody for that type of money. It just makes you wonder, is this a good person to get into a relationship with $4,000? And and Oprah's point is a good point. 40,000 is better because 40,000 is like, yo, man, I got to play. Like we, we, we trying to get something popping. I need 40, 40 bands right now. And it'll be me and you will be on top. Probably go flip and put it on the street. But I do think that it is interesting that what you just said, that it's emasculating because you did something that a lot of times women don't want to admit that they do, which is connect masculinity to money. And it, it's very, it's very, it's very difficult for women to sometimes come to terms with this. And I think I'll tell you why. Because the question is never about what men have to do. We know that. Like, we know what men have to do. The question is about what women have to do. Because if a man has to have financial security, what does a woman have to have? So is it fair for me to ask you to be nurturing? Is it fair for me to ask you to be, like, uh, like e- e- emotional? Is it fair for me to ask you to be sexual? Is it fair for me to ask you to be any of those things? It's fair for me to ask you to be any of the things that would make a man feel quote unquote safe. Are those things fair? Or is it only okay for men to be emasculated? Is it, do women have to have standards of femininity that they have to uphold? The moment that you start saying that, the moment that you articulate that, you say that out loud, it starts to become, you can't control me. I don't want to have to feel like I have to do all of this for you. I don't want to have to feel like this. I don't want to have to feel like that. But we know that there are things that men have to do to be looked at with a certain amount of respect from women. We know that. Well, 
here's the thing. It, my partner, regardless, I think it's fair for him to want me to be financially secure. To me, you asking me for 4000 and then paying a couple of days later is chaotic. Yeah, but, that doesn't, and, but, but, but that's not what men look for from women, though. What men don't look some, for, but like, maybe some do. What I'm saying, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that traditionally, I get the roles. Traditionally, yes, I get financial traditional. security, like you don't look at a woman and go, "Damn, I," because you can't even do that. Like, damn, it, but it, it's, it's a, good for a woman to have her own, but you don't look at a woman and be like, "Damn, I need her to be able to take care of me." What you want from her are other things, and increasingly, asking for those things is some kind of way it, seems like okay, it's marginalizing so here's the her or minimizing something her. you just said. Something you just said. Me being feeling that way. Isn't because, oh wait, what was the word you just said? Oh, is it because I need you to take care of me? It's chaotic. And it's just not like there's the it, it just shows a little bit of a weakness to me. And I and if I was, if I wasn't, if I was, if it was, if I was dating a woman, I would want that same, I would still want her to be financially secure. I just you, you realize don't have you're to changing, make you're, more you're changing you, what you're saying, you right? Wait, you don't have to make more than me. Mm -hmm. I just need to know that like, if I needed to lean on you, you got me. I don't need you to take care of me. I just need to know that there's some type of financial security. You asked me for $4,000, you are not secure. Okay, so let's go back to how this originally was articulated. Because anytime you press this line down the road, you're going to feel, and once again, this is just a conversation about me hoping that everybody can just take responsibility for the way that they feel and what that they want, right? That's all I want. What you said initially was it's emasculating. And the reason why you said it was emasculating is because there are certain things that a man has to provide for you, certain securities. You said you need to be, you need to feel safe. Not that you need yes. to feel equally yoked. Yeah, right? Not true. That, that you need to feel safe. That you need yeah. to feel like somebody has you. Yeah. It's okay. You want that type of security from a man. Those gender roles are, are, they persist for women. I hear women all the time say, this is what I want from a man. If I don't get this from a man, I don't feel like he's a man. You use the term emasculating. You wouldn't have used that term if you were talking about her being in a relationship with a woman because you wouldn't expect that woman. Well, what's the word? What's the, what's the word? You use, the right, in a partnership you, you, with. you use the right word. That's the word that you meant to use. But what I'm saying. No, what, if it was a woman, what would you, what oh, word would no you clue. use? That would be interesting. Because it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Right. But what, I, but what I'm saying is, this is, the only thing I'm saying about this, I get it. My daddy in heaven used to look at me and be like, all right, nobody likes a do-nothing man. Nobody. Like, nobody likes a do-nothing man. He's like, other men are not going to respect you and no woman is going to respect a do-nothing man. Get up and do something, right? Do something. Mm -hmm. The only thing I ever ask in a situation like this, like I get why she felt that way. You you shouldn't have you shouldn't have done. The only thing that I ever ask is what is it okay for men to ask for? Because I guarantee you right now, if there is some guy that is in a situation and he's dating Gail King, and he says Gail King wasn't available enough for me, she wasn't nurturing enough for me, she wasn't uh, affectionate enough for me. It is going to be, that is Gail King. She is a boss. Why would she have to do any of those things for you? Like, why would she have to do any of those things for you? Why would she have to be available to you? Why would she have to be nurturing to you? Why would she have to be, why would she have to be any of those things to you? Why would she have to do that? And the, the, the response would be in a very quiet way, it's because that's what I need from a woman. But 
it's 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 that's where a, a part of this just comes from the fact that we can't be honest about both new expectations that we have and old expectations that we have. And for me, a lot of the guys that got mad about that is because they the type of niggas that's, that's asking two women for four thousand dollars <laughs> in the first couple of months of dating them. I'm telling you right now. It doesn't matter how cool the lady is. If you ask her for that money and she lends it to you, my nigga, that is coming back on you. I'm telling you right yeah. now, it doesn't matter how cool she is. When we talked about this with the seven of the sexes, when mad day comes, you are going to be a bum. So you better <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. And don't bum off these <laughs> don't be bumming off these women. Get your own. Nobody likes to do nothing, man. It's facts. My dad was a chauvinist. But he was right about that. <laughs> Last thing I'll say about this though. Even when my dad would say a do-nothing woman, do you know what else he would say? That's what else he would say. A do-nothing man or a do-nothing do do woman? Man, you just said a, woman. A do-nothing man. Oh. You know what else he would say? He was like, he would be like, look at everything that your mama does around here. He's like, really, I only got to do one thing. He, he told me one time, he was like, because he was telling me to, to to clean up my room. And he was like, look at everything your mama does around here. Your mama cook big meals. Your mama clean up. Your mama iron your clothes and do all of this stuff. Look at everything your mama do around here. You don't want to do one thing for her. So he appreciated what she brought to the relationship. Yeah. And I think, and by the way, my mother brought more than that because my mother made, actually at a certain point, she made more money than my dad. But so my mother brought way more than that type of stuff. So I just think sometimes in every relationship, you got to do something. If you, if you the man and you not making as much money as your girl, nigga, do something. It, exactly. There, there's value in other things. Yeah. Yes. There's value in other things. Like I, I, you don't have to be equally yoked in that sense, but you can provide in other ways. And, 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 and the, I guess the reason, you know, I'll stand by it. It is a mess. I do look at it as emasculating if you ask me for $4,000, but um, I'm not going to ask something of you that I'm not going to expect you to well, want for me in return. That's fair. That's, and so that's, that's why it's hard for me to be like, it, you're right. The gender roles exist, but it's like, if I'm demanding this of you, you bet I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be having that as well. Um, are you mad that this lady got this deal with the NFL? I don't care. She got that licensing deal. People are mad. I about don't it. care. It's Christian Yushchik. She wore her custom designed puffer jackets. And then um she got a licensing deal. She's married to Kyle Yushchik, who is a a full a fullback for the 49ers. Um they're going to allow her to use the NFL logos on her designs. Um, they didn't do that shit for Dapper Dan. <laughs> what does Dapper Dan do? Oh my God. Dapper Dan back in the day. I mean, I know who he is, yeah. but I just don't know what he did. Oh, with Dapper this. Dan back in the day had all the fucking fresh designs using like the different types of shit and the Gucci shit and all of that different stuff. They came after this motherfucker. This nigga had to be like fucking 75 years old or whatever before they finally let him have a line and all of that stuff. But I guess, you know, it's different. <laughs> it's different. It's not stealing when she do it. It's inspiration. So, so good for her. I, 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 I did she use the logo before? I guess she did. She used a logo before. Um, she had the, the puffer jackets. Uh, oh, wait. 
they confirmed that she already had a licensing deal, I guess. Okay, um, so yeah, what's the what's what's the deal? I guess they're mad because they I guess people are upset because they're like, if she'd have been, let's say she wasn't Kristen Yuschik. Let's say she was Felicia Jenkins, that it would be like <laughs> cease and desist, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um Well, let's see what they do after. Let's see somebody else do it. Let's, we should, That's not white. We should do it. Higher learning NFL jackets. We just put Kyle Kaepernick's <laughs> face all over every jacket. See what they do. It'd be a hit. So Colin Kaepernick NFL. I wonder what I wonder what the 49ers are gonna do. I never I don't want to even want to talk about it. It's just gonna piss me off, man. <laughs> Seriously, bro, it's 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 around this time is when I feel it the most. Is it because the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl? Would you feel the same way? Kind of, because he's a, he's a, he's a great that helped resurrect their fucking failing franchise. They've been failing for a whole time. He helped resurrect them. Whatever, man. God bless him and his family. God bless, bless Kaepernick. Can't do anything for people without getting your ass kicked. All right. Uh, you know what we haven't done in a while? What? Mailbag. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. uh, First one is from Bobo Pedic. He says, you're going for a world wrestling championship belt. What's your wrestling name, finishing move, and entrance song? I think we covered entrance song before. And they want Ashley to weigh in too. Okay. Yeah, because Ashley and Van have probably thought been thinking about this. So I have all of this figured out. Okay, go ahead. So I know what my entrance song is. Donnie, cue this up. My entrance song is Go With The Flow by the Queens of the Stone Age. Donnie, cue up the song. All right, just search the song. All right. Going to the ring! Captain Lemon Squeezy! (laughs) So that's the song. What's your name? Captain Lemon Squeezy. Why? That's my wrestling name. I'm I'm the leader. I got the solid power. My finishing move is the lemon squeeze. It's a reverse crab hold where I sit on your legs and pull your arms back. It's a mission hold, right? It's the lemon squeeze. And before I do it, I look at the crowd and I go. Because <laughs> the squeeze is coming. Right, I got it all figured the fuck out, man. I got my whole gimmick. I got everything going for myself. Captain Lemon Squeezy, leader of the sour power. I come out to that Queens of the Stone Age. That's my whole shit. Ashley, where you at? Hi. <laughs> I think, okay. I have it. <laughs> so I'd be called Smashly, right? <gasps> nice. Mm-hmm. Love it. Much better than his Smashly. And I only come out not often at all, but I'm like a finishing move. So it'd be like 
I would come out of nowhere. And since I'm so small, they could just throw me onto people. And I <laughs> smash. Like, okay? Oh, so you're more like an object. So yep. it's like I'm the object is smashly. So you would be a, you would you would be a part of a tag team. Yes. That's what that's that's the way I I'd be like it. a part okay. of a group or something. And then yeah. I would be like the last moment person. And then they were bringing in the smashly. And then I come in. Honestly. I love it. Mm-hmm. I would enjoy watching both of y'all mm-hmm. do this. And I hope I hope one day it happens <laughs> for you both. I'm coming back here to Philly for WrestleMania. I'm gonna be what a great question. All right, what's the next one? I told you the judge loves wrestling too. Yeah, right? he told me. Like, and, and and rather than let me and him bond, you're <laughs> he doesn't watch anymore. Oh, does he? We need his answers on this. His wrestling name. We do. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. I'll try to find out. All right, we'll follow up. Uh, next one is from Rachel AA. They ask, uh, "What's the show you're watching right now and loving?" And then they send some love to y'all. Say thank you and love you both. I. And thank you, Rachel. So, Rachel, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm watching Shameless. Oh, never had seen it before. I tried to watch it. I couldn't get into it. I'm all in now. I'm all in with the Gallagher's. It's a good, good show. watch. Mm-hmm. You watched it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very good show. Yeah, yeah. Very good show. I'm all in, and I had no, I knew nothing about it other than the lead actress. So I was shocked when I saw Jeremy Allen White. Mm-hmm. It. I was yeah. like, oh, he was on another show before The Bear. Love it. That's where he comes from. Um, I, I had no idea. I am watching True Detective Night Country. And it's, I'm watching it. I wouldn't say that I'm loving it, but I'm sticking it out. True Detective Night Country is a show that I'm watching. What's it on? It's on HBO. True Detective. Okay. True Detective might be a little bit might be the next level of stuff that I can't fuck with. You know, it might be a little too out there. Not too out there, just a little. I need something. And True Detective might not have it for me, but it's 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 interesting enough to keep me there. But okay. not necessarily interesting enough to keep me um to like say that I'm loving the show right now. But a lot of people love One it. season? First season? Oh, no, 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 no. This is like the fifth season of True Detective. So I'm oh. watching it. Yeah. <laughs> never even heard of this but it goes it goes but they're they have a different cast every season you know i just finished fargo though i like shows that do that though fargo oh is fargo good fantastic all right maybe that'll be my next watch yeah um all right one more all right uh lou harding asks uh if you were a pair of shoes which brand slash style would you be why y'all ask questions like this, man? You know I got another one if you don't like it. No, no, no. Let's fucking go with it. All right. Uh, nigga, nigga, I'll be, I'll be some fucking concrete work boots. I'll be some rubber boots. Kick you in your ass for this question. What the fuck does this even mean? I'm going to start busting your ass when y'all ask these goddamn questions. Shout okay, out to man, we Lou, just Lou came Harden. back. We just came back with Mailbag. The questions are there and you're cursing people out because you don't like their questions. I hope there are no questions next week just to protest <laughs> this rant. <laughs> See what you did. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Uh, take two things caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. And I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. 